This is a remote dating podcast where we share outlandish dating stories from people struggling with the new dating landscape. In season two, Be My Carry-On Baggage, we look at how the coronavirus pandemic is going to impact the future of dating. We'll get insights from digital nomads who have been navigating dating under extreme circumstances for years, as well as stories from people who have been locked down in love. Today, rather than jump right into dating, we're going to be talking about friend romances, specifically our journey from spending a couple of weeks together to becoming main fixtures in each other's lives. You'll also hear the tale of Kayla's biggest travel-related friendship regret. This is season two, episode one, Two Old Bags and a Laptop. I'm Ellie. And I'm Kayla. We're your hosts for Dating Abroad, a podcast about unconventional dating stories. If you're tuning in for the first time, we should probably tell you a bit about ourselves. We're both writers and digital nomads, which means we travel the world with our laptops, working as we go. We've been on the road for nearly two decades combined and have experienced pretty much every extreme dating scenario you can imagine from rejecting a guy that flew to another continent to be with you, to flying 6,000 miles for a date and getting ghosted. In this episode, we're celebrating our one-year friendiversary. So we're going to talk about friendship on the road and our new relationship as podcast workwives, as well as our thoughts on how dating has changed, for better and for worse, during the crazy year that has been 2020. If you'd like to learn more about us, definitely check out the first episode of season one. Uh, And now it is time for our first very nerdily named segment, a video call named Desire. In this segment, we give you a little update on our dating escapades over the past week. Although since we haven't done a podcast episode for about three months, (laughs) we've probably got a (laughs) bit more to update you guys on than usual. Although not really, because I haven't been doing any dating in the last three months. Um, <laughs> and our Patreon uh, patrons have all the all the deets, all the boring deets. Yeah, yeah, we've been keeping them posted on the nothingness that has been our dating lives over the past three months. But Ellie, um, what have you been doing? You've been doing things, sort of. Um. Well, not much really. I have to admit. I deleted the dating apps when we talked about it on season one. And I think this is probably the longest I've ever had the dating apps deleted for years. Mm-hmm. And it's been so nice. It's just so nice not having that mindless swiping and those just mostly awful initial conversations with guys as part of my life like (laughs) deleting that from my life has been has been really awesome I say and then I so I recently arrived in Portugal a couple of weeks ago I am kind of back nomading again which which is different obviously with the pandemic but it's still so nice to be back into it And anyway, I arrived in this cute little Portuguese town, which has a lot of surfers and quite a big nomad community and kind of looked around on the first few days. And I was like, oh, 
cute boys. Maybe I should download <laughs> the apps again. <laughs> Never a good choice. I know. Why? Why? Um, so I did. I only downloaded Bumble. And uh, my first experience was basically enough to to uh, put me off the dating apps again. So I I matched with this, you know, cute Asian surfer who said he was riding out the apocalypse in Erisera, very punnily. So I messaged him and, you know, we had a bit of like jokey back and forth because, you know, you have to send a, a super like fun first message mm-hmm. or... Uh, people just get annoyed so we had a bit of conversation about that and then like after you know a handful of messages he asks me what are you looking for on here obviously a question we love to be asked immediately Mm -hmm. um and on my profile I had like specifically stated looking for a relationship um because honestly I just I can't be asked with anything else that's what I'm looking for standards are high I've made that clear on my profile Mm -hmm. so I replied to him and said something like oh you know nothing major true love someone to travel the world with (laughs) Um, and then and I put a laughy face because I thought you know the thought of someone on a dating app actually looking for love might just be too much for for some people to grasp And his response, oh my God, his response just epitomized everything that is wrong with modern dating. When I've specifically stated I'm looking for a relationship, he replies, how about some casual fun? Winky face. (laughs) Like, no, 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 no. Oh my God. So um, since then I haven't, I haven't. Uh, done any more swiping (laughs) just annoyed me so much (sighs) so short-lived but I know that's basically my update I mean the only other update is that there are quite a lot of quite a lot of hotties around this town and I'm it's difficult because you don't want to be going to too many meetups these days obviously because of the virus and yet it seems like a place where meeting people in real life would be a real possibility. Mm-hmm. So there's kind of that dilemma going on, which I guess I'll keep you updated on throughout the rest of the season. Indeed. So I also had a moment of weakness. So by the end of last season, I had like filtered through everyone that I was had been seeing from that first round of being on the apps Uh, And it seemed to take forever for them all to like fizzle out. Mm. And I was just very happy to be off the apps and not be talking to anybody for several months. And then in August, I went up north uh, and just stayed in a nice little cabin in the woods for a month and was working from there and was feeling much better. And I kind of thought, huh, maybe I should try the app. Like kind of same thing as you, Elliot, in that like Mm. I really wanted to meet someone in person. But I think when we first started this podcast, we were like, oh, yeah, we'll be in lockdown for like three months and then we'll be good. Um, Mm. Clearly, that is not what happened. (laughs) Um, So I was like, oh, maybe I could try the app. And I'd heard good things about OkCupid because you can have like a lot of different 
filters and people answer value-based questions. So it seemed promising. Uh, I went on for one week and then I was like, I can't do this. <laughs> um, so I have been off again since August. So again, yeah, I guess other than that one week stint, this is probably my longest time completely off the apps as well. Because when did we go off? Maybe in May or June? Yeah, it was pretty early on, I think. Yeah, so like four or five months. Okay, or maybe like around, I don't know. I don't, I can't really remember when I'm on or off them, to be honest. But definitely a big chunk off. And it was just really nice, again, just like not... Not having men in my headspace. I think I just realized it was just causing more stress than good. But long story short, in my week-long escapade, um, (laughs) which I'm not sure if this was the longest I've off the apps, but that was definitely my shortest foray one week, I did end up pulling off two people. Mm. Uh, one of them we did a social distant date and it was like we had talked on the phone a couple times first and it seemed promising and then it didn't go very well so that was that one and then there was one other boy that actually does seem a little bit promising oh um we just had our second date yesterday oh my god how did it go it went well and he was like what are you gonna say about me on the podcast and I was like (laughs) I don't know I have to process um (laughs) it's definitely the most promising first two dates or even first date that I've had I don't know probably in like a year over really wow that's exciting saying that I feel like now I'm probably just gonna get ghosted I always wonder whether to tell boys about the podcast or not, but I usually get so excited that I do, even if I plan not to. I know. I did tell him, but okay, so I really liked his response. So I guess I had told him when we did our phone conversation screening, and but I didn't remember it, but he didn't know about the podcast, so I must have. <laughs> Anyways, on our first date, which was like a weekish ago, he was like, you know what, I got the podcast in the store and I like pressed play. And then after the introduction, I stopped just because I thought it might be a bit weird to like listen to the podcast before we even met. And I didn't know if that was like personal stuff that maybe you weren't ready to share with someone you were dating. Oh, that's sweet. Right. I just really appreciated that. And actually what I think is one of the most attractive things about this guy is just like his respect for boundaries Mm. Um, in that almost every other pandemic date I've been on, which has not been very many, has been five, I think, in total. But almost all the other ones edged a boundary in some way. Like there was one that was quite Mm. aggressive, but then there were just another couple that like weren't aggressive or anything, but just kind of like kept asking when I had said at the beginning, like I'm not comfortable with doing anything physical yet. Mm. Um. So I feel like, yeah, a big positive from this guy is just like continued respect for boundaries, which I like. That's awesome. And probably something we will discuss later on in the episode in a bit more depth when we talk about 2020 dating. Yeah. But then um, last night when we were also talking about the podcast, I guess he told one of his friends about it to listen and then was like going to get feedback from her. So like maybe we got a new listener. Awesome. <laughs> that's all. That's the only reason I went on the apps at all was to try to get more more listeners to the podcast. Well, I will be interested to keep updated on that. 
Yeah. I'm actually I'm quite excited now that we're doing the podcast again that our, our whole dating lives can sort of revolve around it and it actually just gives me more motivation to put some effort in <laughs> I know but then I feel like there's also the trap of like I know I don't want to like really date or go on the apps again so then I'm like if this one doesn't work out what am I going to do for the podcast <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I have to admit, it's been so nice not being on the apps. And, and like, when we were talking to, um, to a couple of girls in season one about all the things that they, they managed to do when they went off the dating apps, I feel like I have managed to do those things. Like, I'm starting mm-hmm. new projects and doing more writing and having mm-hmm. more time for myself and making personal breakthroughs. And I'm like, oh, God, if I start dating again. Am I going to lose all of that? I know. Maybe we'll have to do like, because as you said, we can't really go to meetups and stuff even still now, seven months after we made the plan to do that. Um, (laughs) Maybe we'll have to explore other things uh, that may be coming up as topics in future episodes. For example, matchmaking. Oh, yeah. Or online, online speed dating. My mom would be so happy if I told her I wanted to see a matchmaker. (laughs) (laughs) yeah I think my mum would be too although I think she's just given up hope now (laughs) um so those could be things we do instead of the apps when we're just hungry for podcast content and love yeah there are definitely options Mm -hmm. all right well I think that is all of our updates so without further ado it's time to get into our main discussion gone with the wi-fi How many times are we going to do that joke? Every time. Okay. (laughs) Okay. So if you listen to season one, you will know that as well as dating, friendship and community were big themes that we talked a lot about. Um, And if you didn't listen to season one, prepare yourself because that's what's going to happen in season two as well. So as Kayla and I met a year ago, almost to the day, we're gonna talk about talk a bit about our friendship origin story and how our relationship has blossomed since then. <laughs> yeah, and I I feel like it is it's so strange because we were in the same city for two or three weeks and hung out a few times mm. and uh and that was the only time we ever spent together in person. I know, it's so strange. And that, and so Kayla and I met, and we also met two other writers, and the four of us sort of really bonded. We met at a digital nomad conference in New Zealand. And since then, we've, the four of us have met up every week virtually. Kayla and I have met up so many more times than that <laughs> because of the podcast. Mm-hmm. But it's all been virtual and it's just really shown me how it's possible to actually build a friendship virtually. It doesn't seem like we only spent, you know, really only a few days together IRL. Yeah. And I even just remember that on the last night of the conference, we all were at the closing party, which got a little wild and I think we were all out till like four or five a.m or something yeah and I just remember the next day going to one of our Airbnbs and we were all really like hungover and tired and even though we'd only known each other at that point for a few days or maybe a week like 
I think we all just felt comfortable just like being dead and hungover together and going to get fish and chips. Yeah, that's totally the mark of like a, a good friendship, isn't it? It's true. Okay, let's talk about first impressions. So I'll tell exactly how we met because mm. I, I remember it was the first day that I got to New Zealand and I wanted to stay awake because I had arrived in the morning and obviously there's a very big time difference. So I didn't want to go right to bed. And uh, there was a, a brunch for some of the people at the conference. So I went to that and you were there, Ellie. And I don't think we really talked at the brunch, but then afterwards, everyone was going to like play games. And I was like, eh, no, I just kind of want to go to the city center because I had been in Wellington seven years prior. It was actually one of the first destinations I went to when I first became a nomad. And it just had a really special place in my heart. So I was just ready to get back to the city center and see how it felt to be back. And I remember you came with me. Mm. And I felt really happy and comfortable about that, which like other people I might not have been. I might have been like, oh, I just kind of want to be alone right now. Like, yeah. Thing. Um, but I just remember getting along very well. And I was like excited to hear that you were a writer and a travel writer because I was like, oh my God, me too. <laughs> we can be friends. <laughs> and then the part of the story that always stands out the most to me is like there was just this elderly lady walking down the street dragging a suitcase and for those of you who have been to Wellington you just know it's like always a bit cold and always really windy and so this lady was like struggling to drag her suitcase down the street and we offered to help her take it to her hotel where she was staying and it turned out that she was a, a local writer or a localish writer like I think she was coming from Auckland or something and the reason she had such a big heavy suitcase is because it was full with children's books and she was a children's book author and it just felt very serendipitous that we had so many writerly connections so fast and she was yeah. so friendly and she was so happy that we were like pulling the suitcase for her yeah it felt so apt didn't it mm -hmm. and on the book topic I remember um like obviously like you said being really happy that you were a writer and a travel writer and thinking oh my god we're gonna have so much in common <laughs> um but I also remember feeling slightly um inadequate because you were all like yeah I published like five books and I was like <laughs> oh my god I haven't published any book and then I was like oh my god I could learn so much from her <laughs> and was it like a constant disappointment from that point on Pretty much, like oh yeah. she doesn't really know that much actually <laughs> <laughs> oh my god but yeah it was awesome. And then, like you say, the bonding, the, hang the hangover bonding mm -hmm. at the end of the week, that really cemented it. Yeah. And I think one thing as well. So I think when people talk about relationships and what makes a relationship work in terms of a romantic relationship, you know, people talk about having common goals and really having the commitment and the desire to make it work. And as you said, the us and the two other writers formed a writer's group and we've been meeting once a week. And I have been in many other writer groups and mastermind groups, uh, and they've all fallen apart after a few months uh, mm. just because people weren't that into it or whatever. People got busy, whatever the reason was. People didn't like each other anymore. And I just feel like with the four of us, we were just all so committed and all liked each other so much um, that we just had the drive to carry on the friendship. And I've, yeah, I've just had so many situations like that where 
it didn't work out. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, me too. And I think it was kind of obvious right from the beginning when the four of us went to meet at that cafe mm. to have the meetup about um, about writing. Mm-hmm. And we were all just like so keen. Mm-hmm. Whenever anyone said anything, the rest of us were like, oh my God, yes. <laughs> I also yes, forgot. I totally this. think that. I totally want to do that. And I also forgot this, but we like immediately started a Slack channel. That was like step one. <laughs> <laughs> it's been very active since then. It has been. It's, yeah, it's a very good way to like keep up the uh, the group. Yeah. And now, like, as well as the, as well as the writers group, we have become podcast work wives obviously and I think that's been really nice because like writing can be quite well is quite a solitary occupation Mm -hmm. and collaborating with someone on something it just really adds something extra to your life doesn't it Mm. you know having someone to bounce ideas around with and having that accountability and also it being a podcast so it being something slightly different and something maybe a bit out of our comfort zones yeah and I do like as well how the podcast it's both related to writing and that you know we're kind of doing the research and we're we're seeking guests the same way you might do for an article but we're also just like talking (laughs) and it's like kind of a really nice it's like we're using our skills but it's also a very nice break from just staring at the screen and writing all day instead we're staring at the screen and zoom and talking yeah and also this is just so meta talking about talking about our podcast doing a podcast podcast on a podcast maybe we should move on from that (laughs) I was gonna say I remember when you texted me and you were like I guess we're work wives now and I was like oh my god are we is is she proposing (laughs) (laughs) should we have a ceremony on the podcast like we totally should. Maybe we should do that at the end of this season. <laughs> a, a work-wife commitment ceremony or a work-wife wedding? Yeah, totally. I mean, Zoom weddings are the thing now, aren't they? Are they? They can take it to the next level. I mean, maybe that's going to be a topic this season because we are talking about the future of dating and weddings during COVID. Maybe we'll yeah. start at the end of virtual weddings. So before we get on to the juicy bits, our our thoughts about dating and in 2020, uh, which speaking of journalistic research skills, we did not do that. We were very unprepared for this episode. (laughs) So we're just going to get our unsolicited opinions. Um, But we just want to say that we still have a Patreon. It is amazing. We have six lovely patrons right now and we love them so much because they are allowing us to continue to create this podcast and if you are listening and you are enjoying the podcast or you enjoyed season one we would love it if possible if you would join us as a patron it starts at one dollar a month so even in that tier that's like literally in a year that's like two coffees out so it's very affordable and it allows us to to continue creating because as freelance writers we don't really have a steady income and anytime we're taken out um to make this podcast it's time that we're not not making money but that's our selfishness for you what you will get if you become a patron is a surprise welcome gift that is very very different from season one's mystery box 
And we're going to be giving it to the next 10 people who sign up. So our goal for this season or for this next few weeks is to get up to 15 patrons or I guess 16 patrons. So yeah, you will you will get a very exciting mystery box. Or, sorry, not a mystery box. Sorry, a surprise welcome gift. It's very important. It's, it's very different. Yeah. It's very different. So if you do sign up, you will be getting a surprise welcome gift along with all of the other benefits that come with being our patron. Exactly. And one of my favorite parts, one of my favorite parts of having our patrons is the monthly soiree that we do where we just all sort of meet up over Zoom, have a catch up, talk about dating, travel, um, play some fun games. And it's been so nice to build a little community. We have so much fun at those events. As well as that, you also get uh, content about our nomadic lives, content about our dating lives. And if you sign up for the top tier, mentoring from one of us about digital nomad life Mm -hmm. and you will be able to see all the past updates as well so if you were wanted more details about what happened over the summer and how we felt about dating over the summer uh if you sign up now as a patron you'll you will still be able to see all of those previous things we've sent out and you will also get a, a longer diatribe from me about that recent Bumble incident. <laughs> it's worth it just for that, to be honest. I would pay a dollar to read that. <laughs> <laughs> it's really funny. All right. So let us move on to our observations on what dating is looking like in the future. So, I mean, maybe we should have been clear about this at the beginning, but we did say this at the end of season one, not our focus for this season is going to be on the future of dating. And we we know that because of the pandemic and because of lockdown, a lot of people have experienced very similar things um, as nomads have experienced in the dating scene. And now that those shifts are long-term, we're wondering what that's going to look like, what that's going to mean for nomads, what that's going to mean for non-nomads. Yeah, I would say that's a good summary. Mm-hmm. So um, we're going to have sort of episodes that go in detail into certain topics like like weddings or matchmaking but we'll just give sort of a few of our thoughts now as Kayla said we haven't we haven't done a lot of research this is just (laughs) what we think (laughs) we were more prepared for season one and now I think we just you'll all like thought we're pros so we're (laughs) like we can wing it yeah (laughs) let's see Mm -hmm. okay so I think one of the positive things with the sort of move towards more virtual date is definitely the whole screening process Mm. thing and I think the dating apps are kind of really evolving to make this a thing like a lot of them have now added video call features or made their video call features better so like you you don't necessarily have to have that problem now of just exchanging a few sentences with someone and then them wanting to meet you immediately and it all just being a total waste of time because you you just don't have a connection and I think I think that's a really positive thing yeah, I think so as well. I was actually talking about this 
on the date last night and I was saying how before COVID I would never have done it because I just, I hate mm. talking on the phone in general. Uh, but it's just actually been really good because it does weed people out. Mm. And he actually said that he thought it was like a bit strange when I said I wanted to do that first, but then he was really happy that uh, we did because then like even coming on to the first date, he was like, well, I didn't have to like worry that I was going to show up and not like you. And then you have to like in an hour try to be like, uh, how do I get out of here? Because he was like, I already knew that you were cool and I liked you. And I was like, you thought I was cool, sucker. <laughs> <laughs> what um, is he letting himself in for? <laughs> um, but yeah, I do think that that is something that I would have been very against before, um, but have heard mm. from several people that it's it's been very positive um and it's a good way to just quickly weed people out without having to spend money without having to put on nice clothes without having to go anywhere and Mm. obviously that's more important with covid because i mean imagine if you like went out with someone and then they had covid and you caught covid from them and it was like a really shitty date yeah exactly and that's the thing as well like you just have to be now you have to be more careful who you spend time with because Mm -hmm. there's like an actual risk exactly and I think we'd talked about how we wanted to raise our dating standards anyway like even before COVID but this is just I think this is something that's going to make more people do that Mm, I agree another thing I think that's happened is I think I mean I don't know if it's completely killed just like casual hookup things Mm. I think it's probably killed a lot of like one night stands like I think there might be some more friends with benefits situations happening yeah yeah I feel like just like a one-time thing is I don't know I mean I say it's probably less happening but I did have a couple guys that I I went out with during the pandemic that I feel like we're kind of trying to just go for a hookup yeah I mean even just from the couple of days I've been on the apps here Mm. like some guys were clearly just looking for that and I was like really like you want me to invite you to my apartment when I've exchanged two sentences with you and there's a global pandemic like (laughs) seriously you know, it reminds me of, so actually, if we do have any boys on again this season, I would be so curious to hear uh, if they get the same thing back. But so I don't know if you have an experience like this, but it really reminds me of sexual health because I feel like 99% of the mm. time when I'm in involved with someone in that way, I am the one who's in charge of safety. I'm the one about asking about STD checks or STI checks. I'm the one asking about condoms and saying that we should Mm. use condoms. And like to the point now where that's like an immediate no for me, if someone has any resistance to any of those requests or conversations, like I'm just gone. Yeah, me Um, too. And every time that happens, I'm like, I don't understand. Like, how are you also not concerned about health? Like this affects both of us. I know that's always blown my mind as well. Mm -hmm. I don't, how many people don't think about these things? And I guess that will also translate to COVID. Like if they weren't thinking about sexual health, will they be thinking about viral health? Exactly. Um, So yeah, I am curious to hear men's perspectives on this. So if you are listening and you're a man and you have been dating during the pandemic, please write us at... um, 
datingabroadnomads at gmail.com or slide into our insta dms because <laughs> yeah it, it always blows my mind with sexual health and now it's kind of blowing my mind with covid how many people were still kind of asking for those hookup type relationships mm. or meetups and i'm just like i don't understand why you're not worried about this pandemic yeah it's crazy isn't it mm-hmm. but what you said also about the more um like netflix and chill buddies mm. Because I think we are so starved of physical contact if we're single. I mean, I'm speaking for myself. I am. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Like, if you met someone you trusted and even if you didn't think it was going to be like a super long-term, really serious relationship, just the thought of having like that physical, like cuddles, Mm. like that that is really appealing and especially for people who haven't had that for like six months I think that could be quite interesting too yeah and I am curious if maybe uh as the season goes on we're going to uh have a bit more effort for this podcast and do some research (laughs) um (laughs) yeah I'm wondering I mean I think we've heard a lot about the extreme so we'll talk a bit about turbo relationships we've also there's also been a lot of covid breakups um Mm. the kind of extreme ends of this but i am wondering if there's going to be a big sprout in this middle ground of a friends with benefits type situation where if you both feel your similar risk levels and taking similar precautions and you get along and trust each other and you feel like you would just want something more casual like that if there's going to be an uptick in those kind of relationships as well because you can't just when you're when you want that you can't just go out to a bar and and meet someone anymore Mm. so I'm wondering if that will yeah casual things will have to be ongoing rather than a a one-off type thing exactly I think that could be a good episode actually Mm, yeah well I guess (laughs) you'll have to stay tuned to see if we pick that up yeah so um Kayla mentioned this briefly just now but turbo relationships is a new trend. And I did actually read an article about this sent to me by a friend who is in one and who we're going to be speaking to for one of our episodes. Um, and that's, I mean, it's just the idea that relationships are developing so much more quickly now because, you know, you're probably spending more time together and you're reaching those milestones quicker. And it'll be interesting to find out what that looks like from the inside. Mm, Yeah, definitely. Um, And I think as nomads, those kind of relationships are things we're very familiar with. Mm. But I do think that there are differences, as we talked about in our episode uh, last season when we had our exes on. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Moving in together as a nomad can be a very easy decision because nobody is leaving their place. Nobody is coming into someone else's space. It's usually you're both going somewhere and it makes sense to split accommodation. Mm. Uh, which is very different than people who are living in a city and one person gives up their apartment to move into the other person's apartment. So I'm quite curious to see how these non-nomads are are dealing with turbo relationships. Totally. And because obviously a lot of a lot more people now are going to be working remotely and working from home like we've been used to for years, but they're sort of like grappling with that as well Mm -hmm. um we're gonna spend like all day together (laughs) 
yeah exactly it's gonna be really interesting yeah it's like you could go from seeing each other once or twice a week to being a 24 7 couple <sighs> nightmare <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe i'll just stay single right <laughs> um I do think that the pandemic has made me, even though I am clearly looking out for love, I do think it has made me really appreciate being single, being childless, having my own space, being able to make my own schedule. Yeah, sorry. I thought that was the middle of the sentence. (laughs) (laughs) That was my only thought. That was the end. Being single and childless is amazing. I feel very good about it. Yeah, yeah, me too. I don't know if it's just because because the pandemic has gone on sort of so much longer than than we expected that mm-hmm. we've just sort of had to accept it. But there really are so many advantages, right? And I think that really ties into my book recommendation this week. Do you think we're ready to move into the Scarlet Text? Let's do it. Okay, welcome to the Scarlet Text. Um, so the book I want to recommend is called How to Date Men When You Hate Men. Ooh, better look up the author's name. (laughs) Oh, I know. It's Blythe Robertson. Okay. Quite sure. How to Date Men When You Hate Men. It is amazing. It sounds like it's going to be an instructional book for a very real issue women are having who are rebelling against the patriarchy. Um, but still want to date individual men, but also so many individual men are upholding the patriarchy and that can be super exhausting. So it sounds like it's going to be an instructional book about that, but it is not. It is just a comedy hilarious book about the highs and lows and pitfalls of dating and dating culture and the ideas we have in our society about relationships and marriage and and kids, uh, which we talked more about last season. And there were just so many great lines in the book. I don't think I've laughed out loud that much at a book since I read Tina Fey's book, Bossy Pants. It was just, it was just so accurate. If you are a woman that is dating right now, I think you will just relate so much to it and love it. I think also if you're a man dating right now, you'll get a kick out of it. Or even if you're a person of any gender in a relationship, it's just good comedy. It's just good jokes. And it, really she really articulated a lot of the things I feel about dating awesome I'm definitely gonna download that and I feel like it's good content for now because I feel like a lot of people just don't have the brain capacity to be reading like really deep intellectual things at the moment (laughs) that Mm -hmm. just sounds awesome yeah it was great yeah I think I read it in like two days it was so Mm -hmm. good love it okay so at the beginning of this episode we said that you would hear about Kayla's biggest travel related friendship regret tell us so we have a very special guest to tell our ending cliffhanger loop Uh, my friend Jess who you will perhaps know from the limerick if you listen to the very end of the episodes she's one of our patrons and she won a very nerdy trivia contest to be a guest star on the podcast and uh, we're here and also because I didn't want to seem like a bad friend alone so we're here to tell the story together hey everyone okay so 
I guess the story begins that we were traveling with our other friend Carly in Turkey. Yeah, and um, the trip started off terrible. Like, Kayla couldn't get in the country. You came from India, right? Yeah, no, I got in the country, but I had been robbed in India. And I only had cash in rupees. And they couldn't change at the airport. So I couldn't buy my visa. And I had no credit card to get the visa. I had no ATM to get the visa. So then some sketchy man was just like, I'll help you into the country. (laughs) And it was really weird. It was very weird. (laughs) And then uh, Carly's flight got delayed by like 24 hours. Yeah, a whole day. She got in a whole day later. Yeah. Yeah. So, but it was like, once we were together. Then things things were going well for a time. (laughs) Yeah, Istanbul is great. I really like Istanbul. We were having a good time. Mm -hmm. Well, I think it just started to go south when we decided to leave Istanbul (laughs) (laughs) and take a night bus to Anatolia is that the name of the place with the cool Cappadocia yeah Cappadocia that is the place yeah so we took a night bus to Cappadocia and Carly our friend Carly got her purse stolen or for British people that's her whole bag on a night bus yeah so like Phone gone, passport gone, all money gone. I think her iPad was okay. Yeah, I think she had her iPad with her. That was it. Which was lucky. Um, So yeah, everything was gone. And we had to go to like five different police stations to make the police report because... um, because it happened on the bus we didn't know like which region it happened in and nobody wanted to file it because they were like well it didn't happen here we don't want to have to like report a theft luckily enough the uh the hotel manager was so nice to us that he drove us around to these five different police stations yeah so and then translated and translated the whole story (laughs) yeah so if anybody goes to Cappadocia Please stay at the Flintstones Cave Hotel. I think that's what it was called. I think so too. Yeah. So, anyways, we so her bag got stolen. We filed the police report. We were trying to call in to get her a replacement passport because she had maybe five or six days before she had to fly back and and start work again. Maybe less. Maybe less. Um, and they were like, "Oh well, their only way to do it is to go to the embassy in Istanbul." So we were like, okay, let's just go back to Istanbul. Let's not take a night bus. Let's take a daytime bus. Uh, so we went back to Israel a couple days earlier than we planned to. Istanbul. Yeah. Istanbul. You said Israel. Oh, did I? <laughs> to Istanbul, not Constantinople or Israel. A few days earlier than we planned. And um, well, you two went to the passport office. So I guess you can tell what happened. Yeah. There. So we went to the passport office and basically she's like, I need an emergency passport because I need like I work on Monday. I think this is like Thursday. Yeah. Like, I have to be home. And they're like, oh, this doesn't like this isn't an emergency. Like your passport <laughs> getting stolen is not an emergency. She's like, what, what the hell are you talking about? It's not an emergency. So we're like tired like scared or like we're freaked well oh we missed a part of the story but anyways we're freaked out we're just done so Carly and I are in the middle of like this passport office in Istanbul like bawling we're both crying Carly's crying because she can't get out of the country I'm just like I don't know what to do I want to help my friends so we're just bawling and it just ends up like yeah no you have to apply for a whole new passport the same way you would if you were in Canada like no, no differences 
Yeah. And usually in Canada, like you can pay extra money to rush it, but they were like, no, that's not an option here. <laughs> no. Yeah. That wasn't an so, option. So like, it's going to take up to two weeks. And so Carly had to fly back to Canada to start work again, but Jess and I had more time. So we had flights booked to go to Croatia for two weeks after this turkey trip. The story makes us sound <laughs> so terrible. So we did, we did talk to Carly and we we're like, okay, well, we'll stay with you. We'll change. Like we've still got, like I still had holidays, you were traveling. Mm-hmm. So we're like, we'll stay here. And she's like, no, that's okay. Yeah, she I'm just like, going to get a know. hotel. And but then we did we did leave her alone. <laughs> yeah, like we could we could have insisted and be like, no, we're just gonna miss our flights. We'll just stay with you. And like, it's Europe. It's gonna be cheap to get a last minute flight to Croatia, probably anyways. Like whenever you get your passport. But we didn't do that. <laughs> we went to Croatia. Well, I think yes, at the we time we thought, I'm sure it's not gonna take the full two weeks. Like I'm sure she'll only be a few days because we were with her for the first. A- yeah we're for it took a, a week I think she was there a whole full week a whole week before she yeah. get back so we thought because we were there for a few days we were like I'm sure it's gonna come in two or three days we did have a couple of friends in Istanbul um mm. that she did stay with for a couple nights before moving into a hotel so we kind of thought okay so it's only gonna be a couple days like we'll go and that's kind of what Carly was saying too and then yeah, yeah she had to wait a full week alone in a hotel with like no passport and no wallet <laughs> We did give her money. I'm sure yeah, she had some we money. Did, yeah, we did give her a bunch of cash. <laughs> so, like, she had cash, uh, but, like, in case of emergency, like, no credit card or anything. And Luckily yeah. enough, she did have those those guys in Istanbul who really yeah, helped her out and were really nice. And, yeah. yeah, that's just that's just the end of the story. We were just bad friends. We had a great time in Croatia. And uh, Carly stayed. Love Croatia. Oh, well, yeah, Croatia was great. And... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, that's that's the story. So friendship is beautiful and uh, also awful, I guess. But Carly forgave us. Yeah, find a friend like Carly and not like Kayla and I apparently is the moral of the story. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Carly. Did she, <laughs> did she end up having like a travel related epiphany of like I'm an independent woman I can do this on my own or was it just horrendous I think it was just horrendous (laughs) just cried herself to sleep (laughs) every night to sleep I think I had left her with my copy of Tiny Beautiful Things by Cheryl Strayed which everyone oh then she'll have been fine yeah yeah Yeah, so maybe she did have some Cheryl Strayed related epiphanies I imagine so I like to think so Mm mm-hmm she didn't hold us again. She didn't hold it against us, which I feel like was uh, very kind of her. <laughs> All right. Well, do you have a wild dating or breakup story? Send us an email at datingabroadnomads at gmail.com. Or if you want to set one of us up on a virtual date, it didn't happen at all in season one, but we're still holding a Pope. Uh, we are up for that. And uh, we'll probably include some clips of it for our patrons. Yep. You can also become a patron of the podcast at patreon.com forward slash dating abroad, where our tiers are named just as whittly as our segments. Benefits start from just $1 a month, which as Kayla mentioned, is like two coffees a year and range from bonus content to racy to air to monthly soirees and a coaching call with one of us about digital nomad life. We now have six amazing patrons, 
Lucy, Abigail, Kiwi, Hannah, Josie and Jess. And as has become dating abroad tradition, here's a limerick about them. There once was a girl from Toronto who became our patron pronto. She was joined by a nomad who is definitely not a bromad. And we'll all be a family like the Sopranos. Then came a girl called Kiwi who listens to our podcast in Germany. She was joined by a Brit with an eco-cleaning kit and a Swede who's a big fan of Bali. Next came a lovely Canuck who met her beau underground by a truck. And the rest will have to wait for our next patron to join, so that could be you, the next verse in our limerick. Our wonderful theme music is by Lee Trang. You can visit her website at leetrang.bandcamp.com. She's got some cool albums up on there. I've missed this music so much. Right? Um, and our logo is by Samina, who's on Instagram at Samina Scribbles. We are also on Instagram at dating underscore a underscore broad. And you can find us on Facebook, Dating Abroad Nomads. Thank you for listening. And I hope you will tune in for some more of season two. Bye. Bye.